And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.35, and joining me now is our good friend, Master Gardener, Barbara Lampson. Barb, things are cooling down, and it feels great to be outside. Oh, it does, Karen, and and I love it. As a matter of fact, I was looking out the window this morning, and I saw a young man come by on a skateboard, and he had a stocking cap on <laughs> and a sweatshirt, and I thought, yep, you know, um, it, it's cooling off. It's really cool in the mornings, and it's cool at night, too. Well, the one thing, though, you know, it means we're outside, and you know what else is outside a lot are the insects like wasps, because especially this time of year, they're out and... Uh, they are well because there's you know there's some sweet sugary stuff out there and the the larvae uh, convert the protein from the insects they're fed to a sweet liquid and then um, the so the wasps are out there being busy eating. Well, I and I showed you my my injury here. Yes, I was out in the garden and I must have accidentally brushed one because normally they're not aggressive. So I must have brushed up against it and I ended up almost going to the hospital. You know uh, it, that can be dangerous for some people, and you just never know. As a matter of fact, uh, we did some work on our porch, and my husband was investigating some boards under the underside of this porch on top, and um, found a wasp nest. And we had seen occasional wasps there, but never like this. So we had to get rid of them, and good thing we knew, and then waited a couple days, and uh, went and replaced these boards that needed replacing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you're outside, you know, wear protective clothing. We always say that, you know, protect your hands, Oh, it was so hot and humid that I was, you know, so I was wearing a t-shirt and and didn't even think about it. Now, as far as the, the... Wasps. I don't know if there's a nest around there. Obviously, there's somewhere nearby, but I haven't seen any nest. But but when winter comes, it will freeze and kill off all the worker wasp and uh, the old queen and the new queen's the one that survives the sure. winter. So I mean, I guess give right. a little more time if, if you're concerned. Yeah. Um, the extension service has a wonderful um, site where they talk about wasps, and so it, it, all you have to do is go into. Uh, Blue Earth County Extension Service, and you'll they've find they've got great they, stuff. They've yeah. got yeah, they've got good stuff there. But but take you know be be careful. So hey, listen, we had a our listener call, and he asked about green tomatoes. Oh, we have so many tomatoes this year. I've got some ripe, but I'm going to have a lot of green ones too. Yes, and if you do, you know, there's something about the gardener. Once you've raised something, you don't exactly want to throw it away. You want to find another purpose for it. And this gentleman called to find out how to use them. Well, here's what. I've done. Uh, we have fried green tomatoes. They're very good. You just—I've heard about them, but they don't sound good, so I've never tried them, Barb. So how are they good? What What do you do to <clears throat> well, make you them? You know, green tomatoes really on their own are like um, many things. They don't have any flavor, yeah. so you have to put this in. Oh. So what you do is you bring them in, and some people slice them and put salt on them. I don't do that because I don't want a lot of salt. And so I slice them, I dip them, and I take one egg and about uh, you know half a cup of milk and make a, uh, a dipping sauce with that, dip them in that, and then I roll them in either cornmeal or in flour, or you can use a combination of both. And using a good skillet, I have a cast iron skillet, it's quite big, it, it fries evenly, and you heat some oil in there. You just need a little bit to cover the bottom. And uh, put them in and watch. And when they're uh, brown on one side, then flip them over. They're very good. Do they, I mean, does it matter which 
state of green you pick them at? Like if they're really small or if, if they're almost ripe, does that matter in the taste or how they cook? You know, I don't know about the taste. Um, you're probably going to have to, when they're hard, you're going to have to cook them a little bit longer. Sure. But just experiment with that. Well, that's one thing. So you can use them, you know, fry them for a meal, use them for an appetizer, however you want. But here's another way. Um, we always made in our home green tomato mincemeat with them. What's that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know mincemeat, which is mincemeat pie, which is apples. and. But it's not meat. No, it's not. Uh, originally, it was. They'd put suet in it. Oh. But the new version doesn't do that. And and green tomatoes become the basis for that. And what you do is you just take your green tomatoes, and they can be the small ones. They can be really rock hard. And cook them in a little bit of water. You have to soften them up. And this is going to be kind of like the basis for for your... It's going to be... It makes a fruit pie. Now, do you slice them first or dice yes, them? Yeah, slice yeah, or you, dice? You just, just slice them up. Because okay. you're going to cook them, and they're going to be come like a sauce. Oh. And then you add to that uh, whatever you've got for fruit. If you've got someone who's giving you a bunch of, of apples, uh, peel your apples, put them in there, and those you make in chunks. And then if you like raisins, if you like uh, the dark raisins, add some raisins. If you like the light ones, the golden raisins, add some of those. And anything else that you think would make a nice, because you're going to make this either into a pie or a cobbler. So if you had um, so uh, pears, peaches, uh, they work? pears, peaches, all of those things, mm. yeah. Uh, and if you didn't have anything like that, if you wanted just even to use, uh, you could buy frozen ones in the store and add in, or you could buy canned peaches or pears and add those in. And then you add your seasoning, and your seasoning is this kind of seasonal cinnamon nutmeg type seasoning. Do you have to add sugar then? I yes, you should. I was going to say probably because as you and this is up to the individual. So. Uh, as you add that in, check and see if, if, if it's enough or if it's too little or whatever. And then if you don't want to make pie crust, you can just make a cobbler, which you would just put some of this in like an 8 by 8 pan. And on top, you take a cup of flour, a cup of oatmeal, and some brown sugar, and about a fourth of a cup of butter. And you ice mix cream that together with mm-hmm. ice cream. Oh, and then and then you put that on top and you bake it. And then you take this cobbler out of the oven and it's all bubbly and it's mm. got this crusty top. And then you have ice cream on top of that. That's delicious. Good. So that's that's two ways that you could do this. Otherwise, you can compost them if you've got a compost pile. Well, sure you can, absolutely. And I imagine you could pickle them, and you know you could get really resourceful and and find all kinds of different ways. And maybe on the internet, there's lots of ideas. But just um, if you like fried green tomatoes, okay. Um, if, when you go south, you that's a thing down there, really big oh, thing, isn't very, it? It is very, very big. Yes, I always have to have a little dipping cup with catsup in it, and sometimes they put a little catsup mixed with mayonnaise in there. Sure, that's wonderful too. So, well, you talked about things that go to waste. Yesterday, I went out. I have green beans that have gotten out of control, so they're way too big. So I just picked and picked and picked, and I had a giant bucket full. And I didn't know what to do with them because they're too big really to eat. So I dumped them in the compost. And I talked to you this morning. You said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Well, it's too late. I'm not going to dig them out now. But you said there's something if your green beans are a little out of control. So yesterday, um, early in the morning, we went to Good Council where I have my vegetable garden, my husband and I. And we couldn't believe. I mean, we picked all these green beans again because they've just, they've never slowed up. And I had some because of the rain 
that also were too big. But you have to get them off because if you don't pick them, the green beans stop producing. Right. So you, you get these big ones off. So when I got home, after I had some lunch, I took my green beans and I went out to under this um, crab tree that I've got. I sat down with a with my green beans and with a pan. And you just take those big ones and you pop them open and then with your thumb you just push that big so you're chucking like that you do peas yeah only it's more work let me tell you oh okay and i told my husband i said you know people do this when they're retired when they're working (laughs) they don't do this this is is this too much work and uh after i got my uh green beans the ones that were you know i separated them i had some that were good still were good yeah so and I made a wonderful vegetable soup. I had green beans and I had uh, cabbage and I had onion and garlic and tomatoes and um, just all kinds of things. And we had that for supper last night. It was delicious. Well, see, now I wasted all those, I guess. But like you said, I'm a working person. Maybe I should have. That's my excuse then. I, it, it, absolutely. It'll be good for compost too. Right. There's only so many things that you can do. And the other thing is, uh, I, I know that... When I plant green beans, I should maybe count out the seeds and say, you know, 15 seeds is going to be enough plants. We're going to have tremendous amounts of beans. But I think I planted the whole whole. Oh, I whole planted. Container. I love the pole beans, and that's what I would highly recommend because yes. they go the vertical space. I have, you know, trellises. I've got, um, I think, probably 16 plants total because right. I've got about eight here in town and then eight out at the lake house. And boy, that's more than enough. <laughs> it is. And, and they grew so tall. They do. So mine went up. I would say that the um, support is at least, it must be, it's at least five feet tall. Yeah. Because I'm 5'3", and it's, it's, it's at and least And they, they flop over because they, they get taller. Flopped over. And then they went on, they, they reached themselves across to where the peas had been, and they went on that. Oh. So uh, these beans, they're they're really remarkable. You know, I had some other really nice experiences this past week. I was at the farmer's market on Saturday, and th- there was a gentleman there. Well, there were two people there with gladiolas, and anybody that raises gladiolas and they bring them to the farmer's market, they are so gorgeous, and they're so inexpensive. I bought seven beautiful perfect glads for four dollars oh you're kidding yeah i know i mean you would think it would be less than at least a dollar a stamp but and this gentleman was telling me that he's had such a problem with the deer the oh. deer have wiped they out like gladioli oh huh. they eat anything with a bloom on them and that's when they go in there and eat so uh go to the farmer's market this is going to be the last this gentleman from Faribault area this is going to be the last time this uh, week that he's at the farmer's market. Because the Saturday. glads are finishing their season? Uh, I, I I suspect so. But he had buckets and buckets of them. And what a lot of work. Uh, I've tried to raise glads, but they take a lot of space. They take they, a lot of space, which is why I quit doing it. And they tip over. Yes. But from now on, I'm going to look for him early on. He said he's been there since July. So I could have had glads every single week, you know. The other thing with glads is you have to dig them up in the fall to, you know, put the you put the bulbs in a, a dry, cool, yep. dry place for yep. the winter and replant them. So they're they're yep. more work than you know. We have lots of other kinds of, um, I should say, firsts uh, this week. 
I have started taking in a few plants that I bought as annuals to be outside, and I fell in love with them and thought, okay, this is coming in. Two of those are miniatures. It isn't often that you can find a favorite plant as a miniature, and one of the plants is a fuchsia. Now, you know a fuchsia is that great big plant that cascades over with those gorgeous blooms on it. Kind of reds and purples. uh, uh, Oh, yes. But this was a miniature, and I Hmm. thought... I've always got room for a miniature, about three inches tall and about three inches wide. Has miniature blooms on it. Oh. Decided to bring it in. How, how much bigger will that get then? If you allowed it to get bigger in a pot, would it still be? Well, it, it's got small leaves on it. They're very, okay. very small. So this nice. one I don't think will get bigger. And then I also found a cyclamen, and that was blooming, and it had just, I mean, just these really adorable little blooms on it too. So I put put them together and made a dish garden with them. And uh, I'm going to see, I washed them off carefully. I looked at the roots. I rinsed them off. I put them in new soil and I didn't put them in a bright sunny spot. I want them just to kind of acclimate. Yeah. Yes. Get their roots going. And then something very nice happened on Sunday at seven o'clock. I was looking at this uh, uh, monarch chrysalis that I have and you've been talking Mm -hmm. me through this of going out and when you find a um, uh, the monarch caterpillar caterpillar bringing it in and bringing in the milkweed with it and then releasing it because this is a way one of the ways that we can save them and and at seven o'clock it was looking very dark and it's very black yes very black and at eight o'clock I went looked again and it had hatched. I missed it's it. A, it's amazing how quickly that Because yes. I usually, I see it and then I go somewhere else and I come back and, and it's done. Yes. Yeah. So I called Mrs. J, my neighbor who found this in her garden, and she came over and we took it outside and we put it on this mock orange bush and it sat there and it flopped up its wings. And Mrs. J said, I have never seen that big of a butterfly. Oh. How did that fit in that chrysalis? I said, you know, nature is so wonderful. It's it kind of like folding your sheets. Yes. So then <laughs> she went home and she did some research because she was sure it was a male. Oh. And, and, and it's the number of spots they have. I think the male has more spots or some more black spots. So so then we had that huge downpour of rain. So I ran outside and I got the monarch. He was He's still there. He was still sitting there. Or she was. And I put him in my porch and I on a plant, a house plant I had in there. And then I went to church. I came home a couple hours later, and I thought, oh, my gosh, where where did it go? I couldn't see it anyplace. And here it was on a windowsill in oh. the porch. So Probably like the warmth of I, the sun on the... Yes, yeah, so I took it out gently. I put it back on the mock orange bush. It fluttered its wings. It took off. It was as high as the garage, and then it went up to our uh, blue spruce. It must have been 20 feet up in the air, just as free as could be. So on Tuesday, I decided I got a, maybe it was Wednesday, one of the days that it didn't rain could have even been Thursday. That wasn't Thursday. Anyway, I went searching to see if we might have more monarch caterpillars. And alongside my garage at a garden that I very seldom visit, I just weed it and ignore it, here was a caterpillar, and it had blown off from 
uh, one of the uh, milkweeds that I have there. And this is that one that's called Ice Ballet. It is with the thin leaves on it. And that was knocked down by the wind. And the caterpillar was alongside on some grass. And so I ran and got a jar quick and put it in there. And you know, it was very small. And it just in about two days, it doubled in size. Oh, I know. They're, they're, they're voracious. It's oh, just amazing are. how much. Because, yeah, because I found some more, too, and I brought some more in. It's getting, you know, closer to the end of the yes. season. They need to hatch and get going or they'll yes. miss their, their flight south. I thought perhaps it would have a better chance if I did that. So that was the reason that I did that. But um, you gave me some good things on fall tasks to make your garden sing for spring and one of the things it talks about on there that I did this week that I thought was just absolutely great was um, it talks about slugs in the in the hostas oh mine are just riddled it looks like I have somebody with uh, you know an army shooting bullets across mine are just terrible this year so they, they look so ugly yeah and they said that one of the things if you had a lot of slugs yes. the slugs lay their eggs on the old foliage as the old foliage oh. bends down and it says to be sure that you uh, remove this and now that's interesting because that sometimes we talk about leaving some of the foliage that are kind of protected for winter so right. maybe we remove that and then put some other type of uh, mulch right. on top yeah, yeah. So so uh, this is one time when I would say this is a really good thing to do is to remove that foliage. So I hadn't seen this article before, but I have an area in my yard that I've been just have hostas in and I decided there's too many hostas, they're all the same and they were the worst looking things. So obviously some hostas are a little bit more resistant. Definitely. It's with a thicker leaf, I think they're more resistant. This one was not. So I asked my husband, he was mowing yesterday. I said, can you take the weed whacker and whack them down? And he did. And then after that, he mowed him. And now I'm actually digging them and getting them out of there. Oh, so you'd cut the leaves first before you're digging. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, because, boy, are they ever hard to manage when, when the leaves are flopping all over and you're They're trying heavy. to get these roots on and the, out and that. So so you might want to think about that. And maybe your hostas are just, they've gotten too big for the spot they're in, too. And I can see where these uh, slugs, I think they're kind of lazy, and I think they just reproduce under these great big ones, and they go up, and they just eat and eat and eat. And um, and then they travel to the next one. So um, yeah, this has been a really good year for slugs because we've had a lot of moisture. We we have had a lot of moisture, and we must have had the right spring conditions for them too to hatch out and to survive. And I think I got a too late to start in putting the sluggo out. And the sluggo is a oh, what's it is it's it's um a, it's a oh, natural it, compound. It, yeah, that it, is it zinc. Oh, yeah, it, that doesn't it, sound right. It, I'll have to um, look it up. It's it's some chemical that it has some compound. Uh, and it explodes in their stomachs and kills them. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yeah, it, it does. It's a to it says it's a totally organic compound that kills both slugs and snails without the usual poisons. And then it breaks down into harmless fertilizer. It's iron phosphate, it says. Oh, iron phosphate. So it lures them from their hiding places, and then, like you said, it, it kills yeah. them. So uh, it's good to know that it's not harming the rest of the right. animals and things. And, and so I got started too late because I was Me convinced too. that this wasn't going to be a problem. Me too. <laughs> only to find out that it got worse day by day. And even when I was searching for slugs, sometimes I found them. You know, one of the things I, I never knew before is I found a little opening in the soil um, that's about two inches 
And I found five slugs in there. Really? So do they burrow down? They don't. I just thought they lived under the the. Um, I always thought they lived under the leaves at the top, and that's why. Well, you moved that's the where you, where you see them. Yeah. But they also do they they must burrow into the soil. As a matter of fact, what was strange about this was, um, one of them was um, sluggish. Three were dead, <laughs> and sluggish. one was very active in this little area. I dug them out and drowned them all just to make sure that uh, what was what. But I'm kind of, when I look at hostas now, I'm more interested in what's going on the soil underneath the plant than what's going on on top. So that's, that's a pretty good idea to be checking those out. And as I was doing a little bit of pruning on a, a dogwood that I have in my backyard, I found a slug on the dogwood. It was it was eating leaves on. This Anytime you get the moisture, I mean, they're I know they're so they go right up. They, they oh yeah, they're, they're not afraid of heights. They're non-discriminatory. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. So uh, be be alert for that as well. And then the other thing I found in my yard after all this rain was this um, mock orange that I have. I have a group of three of them together. And I was weeding around the base because every once in a while you find that after a summer with lots of rain and that you've got buckthorn or something coming in. I found a couple of invasive plants under there, but I found all this black mold on the lower branches. And I said, oh, this won't do. That must be the, the right conditions again I, for something. I, and, and it's not getting enough sunlight. It's not getting enough air circulation. I cut all three of them down right to the ground. And now I wouldn't recommend people do that. You might lose them. I don't know. It's too late in the season. But the idea of having all this black mold uh, wasn't exciting either. So, and trucked them off to 3rd Avenue, had to go out there. I uh, had all kinds of other things, I'd weeds and things I'd pulled up too. But thank heavens, Third Avenue, such a great thing, and were there ever a lot of branches and things? Oh, in those we've piles? made a, a number of trips there too because a lot of the stuff I'm picking has uh, are weeds or have uh, things that have weed seed heads on, yes. and so I don't want to put them in my compost because they'll sprout. Right. So we've made a, my husband actually's made a lot of trips there, and I also along the edge of the yard a lot of times where it's by a road where the salt and stuff gets you'll you'll get um, not the nice grass you'll have the weeds and stuff so before they go to seed i've been out hand picking the weeds and putting them in a bag and we'll bring them out to the like you said the brush dump as we call it yes because i don't if they go to seed my yard then i'm gonna have to keep fighting those and fighting those not that there aren't going to be some already there but at least it might help right it, it gives you it makes you feel good and there's something about finding these weeds in your yard um grass isn't something that has ever really interested me too much until this awful invasive stuff started happening. The crabgrass? I have crabgrass, I have knotweed, and um, I like the clover. The clover can be there. Clover fixes the nitrogen in the yes. soil. That's a very good thing. So I had bought um, uh, grass seed here a while ago, which is a, a wonderful, good blend of Kentucky Blues and two other things, and I worked up some small spots, and guess what? I've got grass coming in those spots now. So that rain was just amazing. One of the things that I did do after I worked up the soil in these small spots, and they weren't big, was to uh, 
put the put the uh, grass seed on and then on top of that I have a very loose compost um, uh, mulch mm-hmm. and I put that on top of that and then I took my um, hoe and I kind of tamped it all down together so um, it looks good it looks good the uh, the annual rye is what comes up first so that's what's sprouting and the Kentucky blue will take a little longer well one thing you don't want to forget I know we just had a lot of rain in fact we had eight inches in a couple days right over where hey, we are we did too yeah and, and and this was we checked our rain gauge every day and I think that's pretty darn accurate and we had between the two days we had eight inches yes and so but the one thing we're going to have a uh, just a streak of no rain days which is nice because it's great to be outside but because it's fall a lot of times a lot you think the plants are starting to go to sleep because it's getting winter some of them are kind of turning brown don't stop watering because even though it looks like your plants are going to sleep on top the roots are still actively growing in the fall so especially the evergreen perennials shrubs and trees as well as anything you've recently planted will need to be watered until the ground starts to freeze so uh, you know if if we get enough abundant rain, you might not have to. But like with a, you know, a whole week now, if without any rain, you should still an inch a week is what the kind of the guidelines are. And you know, there are perennials in your garden that sometimes you haven't planted in the wrong spot. They just don't do as well where they're at. And you have to move them. And I have moved a couple of those this week. And again, oh, I've been moving too. <laughs> it, it, it was before the rain came, so that I could get in there. And I also, uh, if you have iris, you know what a job that is to dig them out to divide them to cut off that old piece of the rhizome that isn't any good any good anymore and I sat and did that and of course I ended up with too many iris to put back in the same spot so but next year they should be really looking great if you don't have a plan for your iris get them on some kind of a a three-year schedule where every third year you're dividing and moving them around you know my neighbor lady gave me a a number of iris and you know they're they're in a couple little clumps i i just kind of put the little clumps in i didn't know should i have divided them i probably did it wrong well you know it depends on if they have that rhizome that's up on top of the soil you know that's spent that's 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 not beneficial. But where the rhizome and the roots hook up, you want to keep that on so you have a nice clump of, of root hairs coming off from that rhizome. But the part that extends beyond that, you can take off some of that. So, um, yeah. It also had a, a bunch of quack grass in it, which oh. I, don't, I don't want. But Oh, so. yeah, yeah. And that's probably why she took them out. Quackers were getting too crowded. Quack yeah. grass is notorious Bleh. for getting into things like, like asparagus and, and it's hard to get rhubarb. Out. And yes, they are. They just travel underground and then find their yes way. One of the things that we did up at Good Council was we uh, pulled out our